The Liz Calloway Show with Nick Summers, bringing you the voices that make you think right now on Talk 94.5. All right. He's known as America's history teacher. It's Larry Schweikart. He is a New York Times bestseller, bestselling author, and also a podcaster, webcaster, you name it. He does it all. Larry is the author of this newest book called A Patriot's History of Globalism, Its Rise and Decline. Good morning, Larry. Hey, Liz, how are you doing? You know, I would have said Feels Like the First Time by Foreigner, but that's just my day. <laughs> that's a good song. That is a good one. I'm pulling that You'll one up. pull that up and close out the segment. So we do that on Fridays because we, we do heavy lifting here all week long with this uh, news that comes out. My gosh, if, if that's what you want to call it. But Larry, um, you know, there are so many things that we can talk about um, this morning, you know, with all the trials, because I, I was watching some of your uh, videos. But I wanted to ask you this question. Uh, maybe give us a an overview of how you see globalism. A lot of people, you know, kind of thought maybe globalism is a good idea because we all have skin in the game and we all, you know, economically tied together and that would prevent war and aggression. But that's not really what it's about. Well, it's interesting to mention prevent war and aggression because uh, right before World War One, people like John Maynard Keynes were saying, Oh, there can never be another war because we're all trading with each other. Mm -hmm. And I think it was, uh, who's the guy from the New York Times who's always wrong, who wrote The Earth is Flat. And he said that if if two countries both have a McDonald's and Dell's computer, they'll never go to war. And that was right before Operation Iraqi Freedom. (laughs) So, uh, yes, I mean, there's a good side to globalism that we all understand, which is you want to be able to trade with other people. You want to be able to communicate globally. But there's a very dark side, which is generally that uh, you have globalism as defined by a group of elites uh, of international background who have no allegiance to any nation who want to control the masses. It's as simple as that. Are and they following goes, the playbook of communism or are they coming at it from a different angle? Because it seems like we're just inching towards that concept. Yeah, they, they're at heart, of course, all socialists, but uh, theirs is a more technocratic um I don't want to say idealistic, but but more more driven by they're almost like the monarchs in the early 1800s, you know, who arranged the Congress of Vienna. You got a bunch of guys up there in their in their suits telling everybody else what they're going to do, what they're going to eat, how they're going to communicate. It's uh, it's very dangerous. It's been going on a long time, and thankfully, it's been defeated every time it's been tried before. Larry, and we're speaking with Larry Schweikart, the author of A A Patriot's History of Globalism, Its Rise and Decline. You think globalism is declining? I do. I think there's a lot of really good signs out there. First of all, uh, politically, in in the last three or four years, we've seen a lot of elections of what we would call populists in Italy, Hungary, Slovakia. The most recent is in Argentina. Um, And I'll get to him in a second. But the second reason is you look at something like Davos and the World Economic Forum meeting, which used to be where they would all go to hang out. Mm -hmm. And uh, this time, almost nobody went. None of the the top dogs, none of the presidents from uh, Prime Minister Britain, France, uh, obviously Russia, Putin didn't go, Xi didn't go. But the one guy who did go 
was Javier Millet of Argentina, and he read him the riot act. Yes. He said, you guys are a bunch of socialists. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. I love that. So I wanted to ask you, what do you make of Trump? And you wrote a whole book, How Trump Won, The Inside Story right. of a Revolution. You saw Trump's uh, campaign and uh, presidency as a, a I, I think it started in 2015, quite frankly, um, yes. because we saw an awakening of people that were like never, some people never voted ever and came out to vote. Right. That's exactly right. And there's extensive research here. It's not just me talking. There's a lot of research on who were the Trump voters. And many, many of them had previously been Obama voters in 2008, were so disgusted with him by 2012, they dropped out and then were kind of rekindled by Trump in 2015-16. And we also had a lot of people who only came out for President Trump for the first time in 20 or 30 years, they voted for the first time. And you're seeing that today with the um, the Republican Party. Uh, there are perhaps 30 to 40 percent of the voters who are Trump-only voters. And you can see this in the differential between President Trump when he's on a ballot and any of the down-ticket people, the senators, Congress. They don't get the same levels of support he does. And it's almost astounding the Republican Party can't figure this out. I wanted to ask you, with all of your background, your historical knowledge of presidents, I mean, you've written so many books on history and presidents. What do you think, what trajectory do you think we are going in between now and, let's say, when early voting starts in September? Um, do Do you think Trump has a good chance of winning here? Well, certainly the polls across the board say Trump would win if the election were right now. And and I think the Democrats know they're in very, very deep trouble. Um, uh, I call it the two civil wars that are going on within the Democratic Party right now. One is the Hamas-Palestinian versus Jewish-Israeli mm-hmm. uh, wing of the Democrat Party, and they can't win that one. Because as soon as they come down on one side, the other side is going to stay home, as we saw in Dearborn, where the uncommitted were 50 points higher than Biden. The other civil war is the illegal alien uh, versus the residents of the inner city civil war. And you see this boiling up in almost every major city that the residents are being deprived of their resources so that you can fund all these illegal criminal aliens. Uh, who are invading the country. They can't win either of these. And Trump has been the guy who supposedly brought peace to the Middle East the first time with the Abraham Accords, and also has been the only one who's been consistent about the border here for, you mentioned 2015, going all the way back to 2015. Mm -hmm. Now, Larry, um, you know, what we saw in Dearborn is, I think, is going to be about probably five to maybe eight to 10 years from now, where all of the illegal immigrants that are here that do somehow find a pathway to citizenship, to voting, whichever comes first in some states, who knows, right? But um, I don't think they're going to vote the way the Democrats think they're going to vote. Because well, these people... I am so glad to hear you say that. You're the first one I've heard other than me say that. Oh, because I, I'm married Barrett... to someone who's a. I'm married to a Mexican man. He was born in Mexico, and they're very religious, Catholic. You know, very family oriented. They don't agree with any of these democratic values. 
Right, and Richard Barris's polling in Florida, especially, showed that they were uh, the Democrats were shocked when so many of the new uh, legal immigrants down there from Latin America voted Republican. They're part of that incredible shift. You know, Florida's shifted by more than a million votes here in the last about eight or ten years from Democrat to Republican. And a lot of those are Venezuelans and Colombians and others who've lived under repressive regimes, kind of like what we have now. And they say, no mas, no mas. (laughs) Yes, absolutely. And the last thing they want is you know, I I was watching that video of Trump at the border and he waved to the illegal, (laughs) you know, people on the other side about to try to get in there in Texas. And he gave them a little fist pump. They waved back. They cheered. And I I was just wondering what was going through those minds on the other side of the fence. Like, he's not going to let us in. Or were they like, oh, look, there's Trump. Cool. I mean, what were they thinking? I don't know. Well, now, we do have to keep in mind that a very large number, we always think in terms of Mexicans and Latin Americans and others, but really a very large percentage of these coming in now are from Asia. They're Chinese. They're yes, probably second amount, Chinese second largest agents. amount, right? And, and, and Middle Easterners, yeah. So what do you make of that? Because we know that nothing happens in China without the Chinese government <laughs> knowing. We know right. that. So why do you think, how are these people getting here? Um, they, they just arrived down in, in Mexico or in uh, Canada, and they just, you know, come across the border. I mean, we have friends who are uh, in touch daily with border agents. Uh, one of them was uh, James O'Keefe's driver when he went down to oh. do all these interviews. And he said a, a very great number of these, uh, according to Border Patrol, are are Chinese and uh, Middle Easterners, um, not Hispanics. So we, I mean, I was watching, I know it's terrible, but I was watching Erin Burnett and they had a fact checker on Trump's border speech yesterday. And he said, there's no evidence of them emptying their prisons <laughs> and mental hospitals. There's, there's no, you know, evidence that they're more criminals. It's, it's, uh, Americans commit more crime than percentage wise than, uh, migrants or illegal immigrants. So, I mean, they were trying to border check, uh, I mean, fact check everything he was saying on the border. I wonder what the real truth is. And and do you know of any source um, to help us get that historical background on what really is happening statistically when people come over here? I mean, is anybody able to keep track of that? No, of course not. And and part of the problem with the Biden regime is they don't want to keep track of it. They don't want those numbers. And they certainly don't want to know if the Chinese are. These are people who wouldn't shoot down a spy balloon as it crossed yeah. the entire right. nation, right? So uh, in a sense, it may be right. They're not committing crimes now except for espionage and spying. But uh, in the longer term, they're probably more dangerous than a bunch of thug gangs. And by the way, the gangs are taking over Chicago and parts of New York, and they are El Salvadoran gangs, according to even the Chicago police. Well, I grew up on Long Island, and we had a horrific problem with MS-13. And I remember living here and looking at Trump in my old, you know, stomping grounds, and I was like, absolutely, they would just machete people. I mean, it's it's horrible what uh, what these gangs do. I wanted to say one thing. Um, the census. Now, the census is coming up in 2030, right? Uh, every, yes. you know, 10 years, and, and they want illegal immigrants to be counted. Um, we we 
believe that that, that is to uh, get more congressional seats, more representation by Democrats, uh, possibly in in Congress. So, uh, you know, as you have more and more people moving out of these blue states and coming here to South Carolina, where we are, or Florida or Texas, um, those people are gravitating towards those sanctuary cities and bolstering up their population numbers. Do you think that is the main goal? This catastrophe by design um, is to increase congressional seats or maybe eventually turn them into voters? I, I mean, what do you think? I think, uh, first of all, I will be in Greenville, South Carolina, oh. uh, the second week in March with the great homeschool convention. I will cool. I'll be speaking there, too. But, um, you know, I don't think that they have ever really thoroughly thought this out. <laughs> the whole replacement theory yeah. is behind, you know, it, it's like Biden. People say, um, well, who is running Biden as if Obama or, or some mm-hmm. other one person yeah. is? And I don't think that's the case. I think there are several cabals involved in grappling for what's left of his brain. And uh, as a result, um, they always have conflicting objectives and goals and policies. So it's a bunch of policies. Uh, Some of them think they can get voters. They'll get some voters. Republicans will get some voters. Some of them want to boost the population, as you say, because people are just fleeing these these blue cities Mm -hmm. and blue states. Uh, again, that's going to create problems because it turns a lot of those former residents who were Democrats into Republicans. So um, the the whole thing is just to try to throw as much uh, feces against the wall and see what sticks. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, Larry Schweikart, uh, your name is a little tricky to spell, but the website's pretty easy. The Wild World of Politics, wildworldofpolitics.com is the website. Uh, I went on it. I saw I clicked on bookstore. I saw all your books there. And uh, this this is like a walkthrough through history. Uh, I mean, it's tell us a little bit about your collection. Yeah, my Patriots history of the United States. It was a New York Times number one bestseller and still really uh, does very well. It's used by most homeschoolers who teach uh, oh. high school history. Uh, we also have the other side is the Wild World of History, where I have all of the uh, homeschool curriculum. I have a full curriculum that goes in my Patriots history of the United States. And um, so I urge people to go there. We have great offers up right now, including Patriots History of Globalism and Patriots History of the United States in a bundle. So you can get them both autographed and sent to you right there. That's awesome. America's history teacher, Larry Schweikart. Thank you so much for the conversation, and uh, we'll talk to you again real soon. Yeah, I hope you come to the homeschool convention. Say hi. I'll get you in. All right. Sounds good. Thank you so much. Bye.